Good. So, yeah, a little after seven in Berlin. I will say this is not my first international call. I've had talked to someone from Canada, in Canada, someone from here in the States, from Florida, but live, plays basketball, who's also a CK. He plays over in Romania. So I've talked All to right, him. Side. But you were my first overseas call with someone that is actually from, not from over my way here in the States. So this is, this is good. I get to check some boxes here today. There you go, mate. Yeah, I did a bit of time in America, but no, certainly not from there. Where, where were you at again? So, were you in Georgia? I was or in Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta. How, how, yeah. was, how was that? That's a fun place. Big, big shock when I was yeah. 18, 19 years old, moving there from the northeast of England. Um, but yeah, it was great. I loved it. I had a brilliant time. I made a load of friends. And I, yeah. I mean, just, uh, well, obviously not last year because of the pandemic. Right. 20, oh, God, it was 2018. It's been a few years now. But I was, I was last over there for a wedding. Um, but yeah, I used to get, get fairly regularly to see people. What was your biggest, so, I've seen funny TikToks of people like make, whether they're from, you know, overseas and they come here and they talk about like their biggest like culture shocks or the biggest norms that are different from where they're from. And then vice versa, people that go to the US and go abroad. What was your biggest one or what was your like, huh, this is what they do in America that's completely opposite from what I'm used to? Um, oh, Wow thinking about that I mean, yeah. I mean look when I first moved over there I had a very strong accent as well from where wow. I'm originally from so you know I mean it was a hell of a lot more like that you know and it's a lot deeper a lot more quicker and well the words kind of flow together you know like yeah um, <laughs> people like what's your name like oh uh, I'm Peter like your name's pizza yeah right um <laughs> I would get all I I I I don't know. I there were, oh, crumbs. You really put me on the spot there with that one. That's yeah. the tough question. I certainly found out straight away that Atlanta and the South was not like what I'd seen on Dawson's Creek and other TV <laughs> shows, which had been like what I thought, or oh, Sister Sister, or um, all of those Nickelodeon shows from the nineties, which I'd grown up with. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I moved to <laughs> moved to Central Atlanta, and it, um, it's a little different. It was very cool, but yeah. very much a, um, a big all round culture shock um, in terms of just it being massive for a start. Yep, um, like it it being ferociously hot, humidity right in the summer. Right. Rough. I mean, this is. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot of Irish in me, and um, <laughs> it's that like undiluted Irish that's only made it across the sea from the west coast to the west coast of Ireland to the northeast coast of yeah. England. Like I don't, I don't tan, man. No, the sun <laughs> um, that doesn't work out. Doesn't agree. It didn't work out for me too well. Like I, I would hide like a, I still do like a vampire yeah. in oh the my shadows. Gosh, there. that's so funny. You say oh. Dawson's Creek though. I was so, I got over. It was over Christmas break when I was home and I had nothing going on. I got I got pretty into Dawson's Creek and my friend from back home. I'm from Ohio. I live in Arizona now, but my friend from back home, he goes, I started uh started watching Dawson's Creek. You should you should check it out because we love the you know here in America especially too. You know these shows like Dawson's Creek, Outer Bank, Outer Banks. This show called Riverdale. They make these you know shows about teenagers that ironically are played by you know 
like people that are 22, 23, 24. And, oh, I mean, and then some. I mean, you look at 9210, yeah. some of them are my age. I'm yeah. 32 weeks ago. It's crazy. <laughs> but the, 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 uh, the shows, you know, if you were a critic, if you were to really break them down, they're not that great. But because the people are good looking and there's romance and there's drama, they're like so entertaining for some reason. And that's like the exact formula for, for Dawson's Creek. You got, you got Dawson, you got Joey, are they ever going to get together? There's all these dynamics and it's like, this is the dumbest show ever, but for some reason I can't, I can't look away. Now, I always remember being one of those that it was like, it's like, Casey's got a boat. How come I don't have a boat? Yeah. I live by the sea. I could, I could have a boat. a boat. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't have a boat. I would die. Yeah. But, um, you know, and you know, that's why you probably shouldn't have one. But um, no, thanks very much for having us on here, man. It's, uh, of course. it's all, all very good. Yeah, we, but, uh, uh, yeah, we, we roll. We, yeah, we're just rolling. We just do this. I've been doing it kind of more conversational. And then I kind of, it's, okay. you know, different than the, different than the live. So I'm able to go back and yeah. edit, edit and go back and forth, you know, more long form. And there was some stuff that I want to talk, like, talk about that we are, keep talking about that we did or bring back up because they're cool but I know there's some things that I didn't get to that I really want to talk to you about so I know you broadcast journalist extraordinaire RT (laughs) formerly Russia today now rebranded what was I want to know what I don't know if we got into this we talked about some professional tips for people that wanted to be journalists and broadcasters Mm -hmm. but what was your first job that really broke you in to the industry and, and, and then kind of started your career um, right. I first started doing stuff with when I was like 15, 16 with a football fan team. Ah. And it was more that they just gave me, like, I said, oh, I want to be in the magazine. I want to be in the magazine. I want to do stuff. And they were like, right, well, you know, we'll get you in there every now and again. But um, you've got to write a weekly email. Ah. Uh, that was, you know, so this would have been like 96, 97. Um, and it was the big thing to have. Nobody wanted to do it. Everybody's like, give it to the, give it to that kid that hangs around. Right. Yeah. Um, but so it, there was wee bits of stuff with that. They just told me there was like there was a deadline. It had to be done. It didn't matter if I didn't have anything to write about. It had to be written. Yeah. And um, so you know you start digging up things and you find interesting stuff that way. But uh, from there, I, I mean, I first realised I never wanted to really do broadcast. Oh. And it was when I was in Atlanta. And my mate was uh, on the radio there. Mm-hmm. And I would go down and I saw how fun it looked. And I realized yeah. it meant that I didn't have to turn in a thousand words worth of coffee. Yeah. I could just talk. I thought, I can do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just worked through the local BBC, um, both in the northeast and the southwest of England. And then came up against a few blocks based on you know the regional biases in the uk and um things like that and i thought well look i'll go away to russia for a bit and get some experience in front of camera and come back and never went back never went back because you know the thing with rt was it was all very new itself and it was starting up i was there right from the kickoff wow so there was a, a lot of things that, um, you know, if you went to them with an idea, and it's still very much like that, if you went to them with an idea and go, you don't have this, and I can do that for you, it won't cost you any more money than you're already paying me, uh, which is always the, the crucial thing. They're like, all yeah. right, go ahead, go and do it. If it fails, they'll just, whatever. they just don't do it again. If it yeah. takes off, then it's something that takes off. Um, so there was like, they let me do a 
uh, I realized we had the rights to the Russian Premier League soccer. Oh, yeah. So, and we weren't doing much with it apart from running it in the sports program. So I was like, well, why don't you let me go? Um, I'll go to a couple of matches a week over the weekend. The majority of the teams, it's changed a little now, but the majority of the teams were based in Moscow, where I was. Mm-hmm. So I just me and a cameraman I'd go along, go to press conf- go to the press conferences, watch the match. Yep do a little bit of punditry about that game and then record like a wrap-up linking to all of the the highlights from the the other games. And that worked. And we did that for a little while. You know, I was 23 years old. There was absolutely no way I'd get the chance to do that anywhere else. Right. Um, Then again, there's been other things that didn't work out that well where I went, do you know what we should get into? Podcasts. And they went, nah. No, that's stupid. Podcast isn't a thing. That's... Exactly. I would have been in about 2009, 2010. Oh, wow. That would have been, uh, yeah. You'd be Joe Rogan. You'd be Joe Rogan. Oh, oh. oh gosh. Yeah, I know. Hey, don't get me onto that because the other one we can talk about is Bitcoin because oh. I was doing all kinds of stories oh. right at the very beginning of Bitcoin. Oh. At $200 a Bitcoin, me going, I'm not paying $200 for oh. that. Now you'd kill for no. it. Now you're like 200. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Justin Long, who's been in a lot of movies, and he had Olivia Wilde on, another actress, and she was talking about being like, you know, years ago at Hollywood parties, talking to people who, I don't know if they were starting it or they were the main investment people, but she heard before any of these things launched, you know, people at Hollywood parties, the, the actual people talking about, hey, we're starting this thing called Twitter. And then he, then she talks to the people. Hey, we're talking. We're starting this thing called Uber. And she goes, "That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, you're you're crazy. You're insane." Now look where we are. They're like, "Someone's gonna send a sentence on a tweet, or a stranger's gonna pick you up and take you wherever." That's the dumbest thing ever. Honestly, probably a lot of these things, the dumber that they seem, sometimes it's the the the, the bigger the bigger the upside. And when those things hit, they hit. Because obviously, Twitter and Uber, they. They run the world pretty much. It's crazy. There you go. It's um, with Bitcoin. I bought a hamburger, a cheeseburger in a um, with fries, uh, <laughs> in a uh, a bar here in Berlin. It yep. was accepting Bitcoin. It was one of yeah. the first ones. And I I don't know how much it cost in Bitcoin, but it was probably I think it was like it might have been half a Bitcoin at the time. So you're looking at around twenty five thousand dollars that burger cost in today's money. <laughs> That's so crazy! Oh my gosh! Um, and then you got things like Dogecoin that started as a joke, but it gets into the. But that then again, going back to Twitter, the machine that Twitter is, you know, Elon Musk can just post meme after meme, and people on Reddit can talk it up and retweet it and share it and repost. And now all of a sudden, this is like, you know, you're hearing about like MBA executives like, yeah, we're going to start accepting these different cryptocurrencies in our team store or to buy concessions or to buy apparel, whatever it is, tickets. It's crazy. Now look where we're I'm at. not letting those things get back in. I have Dogecoin. I'm sat here in Berlin. Yes. Last, uh, I've, I've, I've thankfully got in very, very early. I'm sat here in Berlin five in the morning last Sunday waiting for Saturday Night Live to come on. Yep. Going, come on, Elon. Come on. Give me that quitting money. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I was in on not a big part, but I, I love going to the movies and and yeah. uh, out here in Arizona since moving out, 
Um, AMC was another big one. That was a hot one there for a while. Them and GameStop. I love my, I keep my AMC. I always joke. I'm like, yeah, I go to AMC. You know, I'm a stockholder. So they pretty much, they pretty much pay me to go, even though I had just have like a handful of shares. But, um, and gosh, I mean, GameStop, you know, it was up over $400, but it's still, I think just under 200 or like 175, 180. I mean, for that to be now that that fad has passed and still be that high is just, yeah. The, the power of the internet and people rallying around something that started as a joke. It's, it's, it's astounding. I know. It's pretty nuts when you think about it. But I, I in all fairness, we have lived through one of the, the craziest years yes. in the last... It just for the, These things don't seem that strange by themselves. Right. And when, you, when you look at... When we, when we look back or whether future generations look back, they'll probably wonder what the hell we were thinking. Yeah, but um, but it has been. It, it doesn't seem that strange in the grand scheme of things of right. what has has gone on in the last uh, last eighteen months or so. Yeah, well, no, but, uh, that that's the truth for a lot of things. You really don't, you know, whether it's you know it could be art, you know, like like a movie or, or something like that, or you know, TV shows, especially now with streaming. Sometimes it's very hard to realize greatness and just how amazing something is in the moment. It always seems to be. When you look back on it, or some time has passed, and you re- or you know sometimes other things come along, they're not as exciting, not as good, and you're like, wow, I would I wish I would have enjoyed or realized how great that was in the moment when I was watching that show, or when we were living through this crazy, weird pandemic thing. Hopefully, years yeah. later, we are way in the past, and you know the only time we see people with masks or when they're you know performing surgery because people have worn masks performing surgery forever back, you know, and we're you know looking at each other face to face. And we, we look back and like, wow, that really was so crazy. I can't believe that was our lives for probably oh, what's going to be the better part of like two years. Completely. I mean, I'm looking at the moment that, I mean, I got my first uh, jab of the vaccine just this uh, this week. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I'm looking at, I'll be seeing my mom and dad in uh, July, hopefully. Yeah. Everything going well. We're supposed to be meeting up in the Netherlands of all places. Um but I won't have, I haven't seen them since uh, in in the flesh. I've seen them through right. these type of mediums, but I haven't seen them since December twenty nineteen. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, my my partner, she's from Shanghai originally. Okay. Um, she last saw she was back just in time to be able to get back to Europe. It was I think she was on one of the last flights that went that way. Yep. Uh, she was being back to Chinese New Year, and it's. Um, Yes, I mean she hasn't seen her family since the early twenty twenty. Wow. Um, and it's it's pretty nuts to think that there's been that that length of time. But I was I was really glad because it took a long time with the vaccines and everything here in Germany. And it's yeah. been um, it's taken off though now, absolutely flying. Yeah. I mean, I think they did one point three five million vaccines in a day Whoa. this week. Um, yeah. They're doing around a million a day. Um, I mean, we were in and out on Tuesday, like here's your paperwork, there's your thing, there's a vaccine, smack you on the backside, get out. It's like uh, when you see them doing cattle and things like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, glad for it, man. It's just get some semblance of normality back because I haven't, tr- with work, I mean, I was yeah. so used to traveling yeah. all the time. I, I mean, I've been, I've been here in Berlin for eight years now and I don't think I've spent as much time in Berlin as I have in the last you know, 14, 15 months or so. 
Yeah. Um, I've still gone on a few work trips because you're allowed to travel for business in Europe. Um, so I was in the Netherlands for an interview with the, uh, the Russian justice minister. Um, and I was in uh, Geneva okay. for a, a UN hearing that was going on at the Human Rights Council there. And that's it. That's the. Wow. And there was a period whereby I would be on maybe maybe four flights a week. Wow, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like one of the reasons I live where I live in Berlin, it, it's very central, but it's right next to one of uh, the highways that would get me to to the airport that's now closed, but there was yeah. an airport here that I could get to in 20 minutes. Yeah. And from that airport, there was always a 6.30 in the morning flight to yep. Brussels so that I could you know, feasibly jump on that and be in the European Parliament by the European Commission for nine in the morning. Yeah. Uh, after waking up in Berlin. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, awful for the uh, for the climate. I mean, my my carbon footprint for the last 10 years <laughs> has probably been made out of diamonds, but um, right. it's, uh, you know, for work, it was necessary. And particularly with what was going on with Brexit and everything like that, it was yep. being able to get from here to the place where everything's going down, where everything's happening, and able to get the stuff going on. So it's it's been it's been pretty crazy to be here in Berlin for so long, even though, I mean, I love Berlin. Right. It's, it's home now, you know, it's 100%, but yeah, could do, a, could do with a trip somewhere. Yeah, for sure. You've been grounded. So you, you, that was a nice little insight to your career. And over your career, you know, you we, we've talked about this. You've interviewed some pretty famous people. Uh, you've been a war correspondent, ran into some things there. So I'm going to make you retell some of these stories. So let's start with some of these kind of famous people that, that you've interviewed. I know Billy Idol, but, but start with the... Um, the story. So you interviewed. You had the very last. You believe you had the very last interview. Is it the manager of the Sex Pistols? Is that right? Yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm McLaren. He was the the driving force behind the Sex Pistols. He was the. the I mean, he got a bit upset with me because I said, "Are you a little bit like um, like your man from uh, the X Factor or American Idol? What was he called? The British guy, Simon Cowell." Oh, Simon Cowell. Yeah. Bit, I said, "Were you a bit like him?" <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, this is one of the architects of punk. Yeah. And he was not impressed with me for that. But yeah. we, we kind of made up a little bit. But yeah, he was in Moscow for um, for the opening of a uh, an exhibition of Vivian Westwood's uh, okay. designs. And him and Vivian Westwood used to be in a relationship. They were... Um, and he, so he was all for that. And he gave us an interview. But this was like in a, a strange incarnation for me because that. I, I'd always been kind of pushed towards doing sports journalism. Yeah. And I love sports journalism. I love sports, particularly soccer, cricket. Yeah. Uh, I got into baseball quite a bit when I was there in we America. Go. But, um, but I found that it took away from my enjoyment a little bit mm. of, of doing it when I was having to live it every single day. Yes. Um, and it be, stopped being something I did for relaxation, which was, uh, you know, I love going to the match. Yeah. One of the things I, I I miss the most about living away from home, well, I say Berlin is home, but living away from where I'm from yeah. is not being able to go to the Sunderland games all the time, and the, the football there. I mean, it's not great football, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and it stopped being that relaxation for us. So people were always trying, I was saying, like, I want to do, do politics, I want to do serious news, I want to go here, I want to go there. And they were like, ah, come on, we'll try and with the entertainment stuff. So they had me doing these interviews, and some of them were really interesting. Say, like uh, Malcolm McLaren, I, I got to interview uh, Billy Idol for a wee bit. There was uh, he was an interesting guy. There was also <laughs> a time I was sent to the um, the red carpets 
for the uh, the Moscow Film Festival. Cool. Which you know, I mean, my voice doesn't really fit with "Hello, what are you wearing?" Clothes. Right. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, oh, probably you, know, you shouldn't be wearing a jacket with that, should you? I don't yeah. Know. Anyway, it didn't. It was. It was all right. I mean, the only. Um, the only real standout thing is I think it was would have been about 2011. I was at the Moscow, um, the Moscow Film Festival, and uh, Dame Helen Mirren was there, and she was uh, there was a film that she was in was one of the, the big ones that they were launching there, and um, where the press was was just past the red carpet, and as she walked around the corner, she clearly hadn't been told that she would have to run that gauntlet past all of the journalists. Right. And, you know, there was kind of a turning to the aide that was with her, like, you didn't tell me this was going to be happening. Right. Thing. And I, she certainly wasn't expecting, you know, oh, come on, dear Helen, we're not that bad. Yeah, come on, we don't fight. She just, she, proper professional, just clicked it right in and was like, my boy, you are a vision. Oh, don't worry, wow. I'll come and talk to you. I said, come on, we're not that bad. She was brilliant, man. Had a cream and had a bit chat. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that never really... It was never really what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, you know, it, I mean, I was very lucky that RT gave me lots of different chances to do lots of things. I mean, I looked like I was about eight when I was in my early 20s. Um, so, you know, they were never going to go, all right, here's a flat jacket, here's a helmet, get yourself off to the nearest combat zone. Right. Because they would have looked like they endangered a child. Um, a prisoner, yeah. Was, you know... <laughs> in the early 20s there so you know there's lots of different jobs that I ended up doing I mean um one of my favorite ones still probably I think my favorite of all times I spent a wee bit of time as a it's like the technology correspondent mm. but really the space correspondent yeah you said this you we didn't get to it but you said yeah you talk to some astronauts and I, I had this written down I want to ask you about this because being from Ohio the birthplace of Neil Armstrong so there I mean so we got we got that going for us, but you said astronauts were some of the most, or maybe the most fascinating people that you've talked to. Yeah. What was so fascinating about talking um, to, talking to these people? An absolute unrelenting cool, like both in in every sense of the word, like yeah. cool in the sense of like, oh my god, that's really cool, but like cool in the sense of they'd be telling you a story and you got. You know, I've, been, I've interviewed a lot of people over a lot of years, yeah. uh, but you're still there going, uh-huh. and yeah. then what happened? Right. And then what happened? And, and to them... And this was all in space. Yeah. So Peggy, yeah. Whitson, I, I, Peggy yeah. Whitson was the first woman to um, to command a shuttle mission. She was... Oh, hang on. She might have been the second. She was one of the first women to command a shuttle mission. She was definitely the first woman to be in command of the ISS overall. Yeah absolutely fascinating woman like um i asked her you know we were we were at baikonur we met on the 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 launcher whilst they were raising up one of the rockets for the latest launch and she you know she's there as representing nasa as part of, of uh, what goes on there. i think she went on to be to be head of training of astronaut training wow. for a little bit um but i'm asking it's like you know you've been in the shuttle you've been up with the soyuz what would you prefer best now, I didn't realize what had happened with her Soyuz return when I'd asked this. And she answered, like, she was like, I'd go up in the Soyuz, I'd come back in a shuttle every time. Now, the reason that she would come back in the shuttle every time is yeah. that she was in a Soyuz module that came out of the uh, ISS. Okay. As it was coming down 
to the through the um, through the atmosphere mm-hmm. has to come in at a certain angle so that it yes punches through. Then right. the parachute opens, floats down, lands either somewhere in the desert in uh, Central Asia or okay. in the ocean somewhere. Usually, they the Soyuz lands in Central Asia. Um, this one came in, and it hit it at slightly the wrong angle, and skimmed like a stone across the atmosphere, spinning and spinning and spinning, oh, fell geez. through. It's they're in this capsule that's like it's big enough for three people, and that's about it. Yeah, and you're going. The speed of sound and spinning, hurtling towards the Earth, um, they have the wherewithal still and the ability to be able to somehow keep it together and not just ah, right. And pu- I, I would be puking my guts out. Person would do. I'd puke my. I can't even. Ri- I can't even ride the teacups at Disney World. I can't even spin around. I would be puking. I can't. E- like like you said. These people are so trained, so knowledgeable, and you talk about they're cool because they do cool stuff, but the cool, calm, and collectiveness, I, I imagine she's telling this story, you know, this is what we do, this is the protocol, this is how we handle it, and you're like, I would have been having a full-blown panic attack. How did you, how, how are we even talking right now? You should be dead. Yeah, the, and you know, she was also, they're also willing to give credit to fate when fate's credit's due, because right. she was like, it was purely, just the way that the Soyuz is designed, it eventually righted itself. The parachute came out. They landed safely. Wow. Um, I, I then asked her, what advice would you have for the astronauts, the three, the uh, European Space Agency astronaut, the NASA astronaut, and the Russian cosmonaut who were about to go up? And she was like, straight away, if you get a chance, when it's dinner time, make sure you get the burritos on the ISS. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's just that's just so awesome. Um, just really super cool, and like wow. Michael Fall as well, who was the um, he was a, a British guy. Like I bumped into Michael Fall wandering around in Star City. He, I mean, he wasn't wandering; he was he he was one of the main trainers of astronauts at the time. Yeah. Um, he's a British American guy, and I, I was just like, "Can you give us?" A, we had a few minutes while we were waiting for a press conference, and I was like, "You know." always get an astronaut interview when you can get an astronaut yeah. interview because they've got stories. Right. And I'm chatting to Michael Fall about, you know, the issues with, because the, uh, one of the proton modules, the, they're like a supply, supply rocket okay. goes up to give the ISS what they need. You know, okay. You, right. Food, well, it's a supply rocket. It brings supplies. Supplies. There um, go. So one of those had just gone wrong. And the guys who were up there at the time, uh, we're going to be in a situation where they would have to be rationing things before they could get stuff up there. And I asked him stupidly, without knowing exactly who he was, I knew he was an astronaut, I knew he was a British-American astronaut, yeah. I knew he'd spent time on the Mir space station. I, I didn't know that he was the astronaut that was on the Mir space station in 1997 when a proton rocket went up there accidentally collided with the Spectre module, yeah. which shut down all of the power, knocked them into a situation whereby they were gone. They were ghost. Right. If they, they had enough power to do certain things, but they couldn't find... They needed to know where they were in order yep. to do those things. Right. Now, Michael Fall, using a, I guess his, his physics degree, his undergraduate degree, yeah. his finger and his thumb and the stars against the frosting glass window yeah. of the Mir space station, managed to 
work out enough with enough confidence to be able to tell ground control in Moscow, this is where we are, that they were able to correct things in a way that kept Mia up there for as long and kept them alive. Now, nuts, absolutely. That's unbelievable. Just, just to make, just to think that that's you know, and to have the. Um, the wherewithal to be able to to carry out the I mean look I would need a week to be yeah. I mean, I'll sit and look at my taxes before I send them to my accountant yeah and look at them for a week going like have I got everything added yeah. up in the correct way and then I'll have a professional look at it right these guys are making like split decisions with maths yes. and with physics in extreme situations and making those yeah. um those decisions incredibly quickly. And there was there's one more astronaut story. I promise. Yes. No. This but, is uh, great. I'm I'm all in on this. I was there for the uh, the launch of the. Um, well, let's get this right. It was TMA twenty. It was. Um, yeah, TM. I'm going to say so. It's TMA twenty. But anyway, Paolo Nisporli was the Italian uh, European Space Agency astronaut who was on board there. Now. Um, he was about six foot three, which is colossal for an astronaut. I was about to say, they yeah. Had to, they had to change the way the Soyuz module fitted to get him in. I believe it. Um, and he was a brilliant guy. I mean, you can't have too much contact apart from through the glass with the guys that are actually going up. Right. But his wife, um, uh, she was a she'd been a, she was a nurse at Star City, which is a uh, I guess Star City is the equivalent of Houston. Okay, gotcha. Um, where there's and, launches um, and things like that, yeah. Yeah, that's where, where ground control is. Yes. And Baikonur would be uh, Cape Canaveral or Cape, Cape Kennedy, I guess now. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, they, they'd met during his astronaut training and I got to spend a bit of time. He'd been up in space before. He'd been up on the shuttle. Uh, but this time he was going to the ISS and he would be there for six months. Wow. You know, long time. Yeah. And um, his uh, his wife gave us a brilliant series of interviews just about what it was like from her point of view. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, there's, a, there's a lot of glamour. Yeah, it is pretty glamorous, let's face it. Really? Yeah. But there is a, a lot of danger still involved mm. in space travel. Yep. You know, we've seen just from the the most recent tests of the the SpaceX rockets, the Dragon rockets and everything like that, things still can go wrong, thankfully. Those are unmanned. Right. But, um, you know, if when things go wrong, they go wrong catastrophically. Yes. And, um, you know, she was genuinely worried. She would, But she knew that every step is taken, everything is checked, triple-checked, quadruple-checked, and then made sure. And um, it was a fascinating insight to talk to them and being able to... At what must be the most intense period just before they go up to not be able to be near them because you have yeah. to well because they they basically have to be kept in sterilization right before yeah. they before they go up um right i mean tragically for uh for uh, paolo and his body his his mother died while he was in space oh. um you know they, they go through an awful lot and i've got a lot of t- it, it, i mean it was literally days he uh, she died before they came back before their mission came mm. to an end um, and it was, yeah, it, it, I've got, I, I think of all of the people that I've met, whether it's politicians, whether it's, you know, celebrities from whatever walk of life, um, 
it's it's the the cosmonauts the astronauts that I've, I've come across that have been the real like they're the ones that I, I don't know they they let they lit me up massively in terms of um seeing like human achievements and it, not just human achievement and say like a physical sense in terms of sports or in um you know overcoming various different things but like just the all-round package and being that close to them and realizing you know these are actual people as well they're not just right. some kind of you know superhuman set aside yeah they they've got lives outside of you know sitting on those rockets and flying up in the space so right it was it was pretty it was one of the coolest things i've, I've had the privilege of doing and mm. if um you know, it's funny. I was talking to um, to the agent in the management company, and they were like, "Hey, don't work." You know, they're American. Sorry, I will try and do your guys' accent, but it's like, "Hey, don't worry about it. We're here to make sure if they ever want to send you in space or anything like that, we make sure that you, you know, you don't." Get... I was like, "No, no. If they ever get the chance to send me into space, I want to be sat on the end of that rocket." Yeah, I would. I mean, I I would bite anybody's hand off to uh, for the chance to to go up there. It's, yeah. Um, I just think it's it's such a fascinating, such a you know, always kind of obsessed to a certain extent as a kid with the idea of exploration, with yep. travel, with everything like that, and you know that is that. God, I was about to say final frontier. <laughs> I was about to stop myself just before, but it is. It's that. It's it that like well, you last think, yeah, great you, unknown. You're right because you you look at it. And I, I don't know, I'm not a science person, but, you know, really, you know, the, the days of coming across new land and discovering new territories, you know, that is over, you know, really here on Earth. And you can really, unless there's some major, major, you know, uh, expansion and new discoveries with ways to get deeper into the ocean, you, 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 yeah, you, you, you really can't because with all that pressure... And there's so, I mean, I mean, there's an incredible amount of unknown in the ocean, but whether we'll ever be able to get there, especially in our lifetimes, doesn't seem very possible. I don't know if there's as much interest and as much uh, momentum behind that as there is with space. But with space, I mean, now you guys got guys got, you know, like Elon Musk and we could be in a world where I, I'm sure in our lifetime where we may have the opportunity to commercially go to space through some of these you know, billionaires like Elon Musk, I think even Jeff Bezos, who's obviously Amazon, he's starting um, a company or has a company, I believe. And it's, it's really that thing where, where people, people want to get there, they want to go to Mars, and they, they want to take people, you know, like I'm going on to book my Southwest flight to go home in over 4th of July to see my family in Ohio. Like I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to space at this time. It's, it's crazy, but you're so right. That's like the one thing. Um, I think that's kind of the next step in exploration for for civilians, you know, non non astronauts to to go there. Oh yeah, completely. I I would love it. I mean, all I need now is for Elon Musk to tweet a lot more about those Dogecoin and yeah. small amount I have to be worth enough money. Yeah, then I'll buy one of those tickets. There we are. Then, the then there you go. Well, yeah, that seems way more interesting about what's your Billy Idol story? You found out he can only have like oh, six beers or what? Because I, I was a bit bored. I called him. Uh, I didn't call him anything. I just said, I was like, so what are you going to be doing to make sure that Billy isn't idle? And he, he, he kind of looked at me like, oh, mate, come on. Come Is this on. all you've got? It's all you got. I've heard come it all. On, come on. Dude. I've heard it all. I've done 100 come interviews on. today. I'm done. I'm I out. know. I think you might have done quite a few by that point. Yeah. He was a bit sick of this. But um, no, definitely... 
I, I mean, I, I certainly think the most interesting ones have been the astronauts. The ones yes. I've acted like the, the worst in front of yeah. has been some of the soccer players, though. Mm. Because, like, luckily, I got the, had the chance to meet several of my, like, childhood heroes. That's and, awesome. And, in one instance, What's that like? with them. What's that like? Because I know some people say, don't meet your heroes. That can be tough. And I've related to you in a sense of where I love sports. I follow sports. And I've had internships through schools, through school where I have interned and worked game days and long season and long hours at games. Now, luckily, they weren't for my hometown teams because that didn't ruin it for me. But I, there were times where I'm like, I don't even want to think about going to a baseball game because I've worked so many baseball games. I just can't do it. I'll watch it on TV, but I can't go to can't go to a game. Um, so what is that like when you run into your heroes? Because that could be something that, I mean, it's really, it's never in the middle. It's either a really great experience or you're kind of disappointed. Yeah. I was, I, I've been very lucky. I've never been disappointed. The only Good. person I've been disappointed with myself is myself pretty yeah. much sometimes okay. because I've, I've turned into a giggling school girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, um, so he's, He's got my phone number. He's he sent right me there. a text message and everything. Oh, I'd be the um, same way. I would freak out. Freak out. And, you know, there was one uh, period where I, where I was covering football in, in Moscow when Michael Laudrup, uh, the Danish player who played for uh, Real Madrid, played for Atletico Madrid, played one of the finest players of a generation, yeah. uh, became the head coach. And, um, you know, didn't speak any Russian. I was at all of the press conferences. He's he's Danish, so yeah, I don't know if you know the Danes. All the Danes speak much better English than the English. Okay. Um, and uh, we would get to chatting over the interviews, and and I was like, Michael, I'm going to be at the uh, the training ground. Is there any chance I can grab a quick word with you there? And he's like, Yeah, sure, no problem. Catch me when I'm coming off the pitch. So we we stand there and we wait for them to finish training and. Uh, he sends the the Spartak lads in to go and get stripped and everything like that and get a shower and um, he'll come for the meeting. And before he comes in for the meeting, he's like, Peter, ready now. And just, I'd made sure I kept a ball underneath my foot. And I'm yeah. like, I'm going to pass to Michael Laudrup. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be the big thing. Well, I kicked the ball at him and my cameraman, I was like, look, we've got to do it really quickly because he's, he's in a bit of a rush. Right. And my cameraman's filming straight away and Michael Laudrup kicks the ball back to me. Before I know it, I'm playing pass with Michael Laudrup Amazing. during an interview. And, um, I just started thinking whether, you know, the 10, 12, 11, 12 year old me yeah. would not believe this if I told them. Right. Um, Similar with uh, with Peter Schmeichel, who I got the chance to work with during the World Cup in 2018 in Russia, which was just a fantastic experience, the World Cup, and working with Big Peter as well. He was a, yeah. great, he was a great lad. But I met him first um, as part of the work. I met him first here in Berlin. He was filming a, um, a pro. I think he was meeting with Jürgen Klinsmann, the, um, the former well, German international legend and of course former head coach of uh, team usa yeah um yeah i think at the time he was head coach here at hertha berlin and his okay. son i think still plays still plays at hertha berlin um but anyway so i bumps into him and i'm introduced to him to, by the producers and they're like hi this is peter this is peter and <laughs> uh, i went actually we've met once before and uh, he's you know he's a big giant guy right he's just like Real massive. Yeah, well, well, we meet before you at this thing. Oh, no, I was uh, 
I was there as old Old Trafford when you won the, the Premier League title for the first time. Um, you signed my Panini sticker of yourself. Wow. Um, you're like the basically the equivalent of a baseball card. And he was right. like, oh. And for a oh. second he was like, oh God, it's one of these. And then he's like, oh yeah, I remember you, you, you with the beard, short guy. I was like, yeah, yeah, that was me, that was me. <laughs> but um, no, he was, he was good. He was interesting to talk to as well. And it was like, um, there was Stan Collymore as well that was working with our team over that World Cup and I, I got to sit and watch I think the first game of the World Cup for England was England oh, I'm going to say Tunisia I think it was Tunisia mm. I should know that off the top yeah. of my head oh. but anyway and it was it was it was in Volgograd which was pretty awesome Stalingrad there's a lot of history I'd, I'd lived in Russia for a long time never got to Volgograd throughout all my travels so it was a it was a big interesting time for me to go there yeah and um, but watching the game with these guys and having them go like that, they don't know that I was actually a very poor footballer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to them about tactics going like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Stan. Yeah. I would do that as well. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was good. It was great to meet them. And um, it was great to work with them. And I'm, I'm very lucky with the job that I, I have at the moment is that uh, my role is, I say, I've covered almost everything you can possibly imagine but right at the moment my job is very much politics diplomacy some economics but every two years they let me go and cover the, the either the world cup or the european championships it's worked out as which yep. there's nowhere in the world i'm getting that gig no um and it's it, you know so it's it's been great so i was in france for the euros i was in um obviously russia for the whole of the world cup and i mean that was just phenomenal also yeah. i mean is you know traveling around it was a country i mean i lived in russia for seven years and while i was there i was lucky enough to get to work places i would never have traveled to yeah you know like uh, you would never you know Perm or up in the ural mountains and um, places like this i went down into the Caucasus in uh uh Nalchik. Actually, I went down there for football, uh, which nearly got me in a bit of trouble with some of the, uh, the the fans there. They wanted to know who I was and why I was with them. There was a, an incident at about... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I went down I, I went down there with Spartak Moscow to write, a, write an article about yeah. away fans in Russia. Yeah. And um, they can be a bit rowdy. And at the time, my Russian was not as good as it is now, and uh -huh. it was fairly, barely ropey. But it was a, it was a bit in and out. And um, so some guys that I knew that were traveling down, they said, look, we're not going to go on the bus with the hardcore ultras, the fans that are a bit rowdy at times. We're going to drive. But what we'll do is, I know some of them will let you get on the bus and have a bit chat with them. Well, of course, by the time I get on the bus with them, it's about 11 o'clock at night. They have been on a coach since 7 o'clock in the morning. Ooh, yeah. And a lot of them have been tucking into the beers since that coach left. Yeah. Um, and I'm on there trying to, you know, conduct an interview in my really dodgy Russian. And this one lad's like, basically, for want of a better phrase, you know, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you doing here? Yeah. And I had to, like, and I had this moment that just felt like the end of Rocky Four, 
yeah. you know where instead he's like I saw a lot of you guys doing not liking me and I wasn't yep. liking you too much right. but I can change and you can change, change we yep. can all change yep. and I like Sunderland my hometown club play in red and white and uh, Spartak are also in red and white as well and I had a, um, a Sunderland t-shirt on and I'm like Chuvak, which is basically dude yeah Krasny Bielik I'm red and white, you're red and white, we're red and white. Yeah. After that, he was like, eh, yeah, all right, fair enough, go ahead and right. do business. Like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was this, anyway, I was talking about traveling around Russia and I got into that ridiculous story. But I, <laughs> I, 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 I loved the, my time there. It was, it was, I can't believe it's been two, well, three years since the World Cup and I haven't been yeah. back in three years. Wow. Um, it's fascinating place to travel around. But, um, but yeah, I was very lucky to spend a lot of time there when I did. Um, I love Moscow, man. I think, I think I was in Moscow at the right time. It, yeah. wasn't, um, it wasn't the Moscow of the 90s that I moved to, which was apparently a bit dangerous. Yeah, uh, a bit, a bit in transition. Yes, um, and um, there was still an element of that, and it also, I mean, Moscow, Saint Petersburg, they're big European cities. Yeah, you know? I, I don't think there's that much difference in Moscow than Paris or Moscow in, I mean, languages, cultures, things like that. But it's a, it's a big modern city. Got it. Is the best way to put it. Whereas it was still kind of making that transition when I moved there in two thousand and five. And um, it really felt like a huge adventure because I'd, I mean, I had no Russian whatsoever. Wow. I was 22 years old. Yeah. I wasn't completely sure how the Cyrillic alphabet worked. I just kind of vaguely knew it wasn't the same as, yeah. as Latin letters, um, which resulted in some, you know, trying to find your way around Moscow, it, looking for a certain restaurant. I mean, this is going to make me sound like a complete philistine but i uh i used to have to look for signs that they would tell me like look the restaurant is on this street it says restaurant outside it and i knew if it said restaurant outside it it was written like pecked the par and i would have to find the the pecked apart on that street spelled restaurant in the uh in cyrillic letters and it was just fascinating. It was yeah. brilliant. It was a cool, big adventure. There was also there was a massive music scene at the time. Well, it still is in Moscow. There's yeah. always music. There's live music everywhere. But it was like an indie rock music scene oh, that I cool. was really into. Yeah, and, um, yeah. We, we we had a lot of like that kind of 2005 until like 2009. Um, I mean, I think everybody had a had some kind of indie rock band, including myself. That was. We, yeah. We were absolutely terrible. It was myself and a, uh, a, a diplomat friend of mine yeah. and, uh, and a, a lad who's now, I think he works in the, uh, the town and city planning office in New York City. But, he's, wow. uh, but yeah, there was the three of us played a few gigs. It was, oh, it was, we were terrible. But yeah. it was great fun. And it was, you know, having this outside of work, which was also fascinating, covering stuff there. Yeah. It, um, no, I'll always have a. There's always a big bit of my heart in Moscow. I love it. It's That's a town. Great. Fantastic city. That that restaurant story reminds me of uh, uh, a former pitcher for for my my hometown, Cleveland Indians. He he was from the Dominican or somewhere, but his English was not 
anything, you know, when he came up. And I think he was down in Florida when the Indians had their training training facility there. And all he knew how to order was a cheese pizza from like Donato's or Domino's or whatever. And he ate that for 30 straight nights for dinner because that's all he knew how to do. <laughs> He's like, that's all I know how to do. I know how to ring the phone. I know how to order it. And I know it shows up. And I know I like it. He goes, that's what I know how to do. So that's what he did for like 30 straight days. Hilarious. Yikes, man. Um, yeah, it's, I think a lot of it though, it comes with a lot of the, I want to say, yeah, the fun of moving to, yeah. to new places. I mean, I didn't really know an awful lot about Germany before I moved here. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know an awful lot about the United States before right. I moved, really, before I moved to Atlanta. I'd been to Disney World. And a friend of my mom's grown up had married an American fella and they lived in Buffalo and had a place in Sarasota. Okay. And I'd be, so I think I'd only been to Florida before I moved to America. Yeah. I moved into Atlanta and it was, um, it was a, it was a big culture shock at, you know, yeah. 18, 19 years old. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, similar culture shock moving to, moving to Germany. I mean, I, I actually realized I loved I love living in Germany. I think I'm going to be here for the for the long haul because Great. I didn't realize how much I craved rules. I need those rules. I yeah. need there to be a, a system in place that is completely the system. There is no way around it to get things done. I mean, sometimes it's it drives you insane here. But I mean, yeah. put it one way. I had to send a fax in order to get a parking permit for my street last year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I never sent, I don't think I'd ever sent a fax before. I've never sent a fax, um, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I had to send a fax to the uh, to the city in order to get it to get it done. Wow. Um, apparently, there was a story just this week that they've now stopped faxes completely. Because I think yeah. with the pandemic last year and people not being able to turn up for appointments, yep. the amount of times they went, well, I don't know, just send us a fax. Yeah. Send us a what? A what? Huh? What? Fax. Like it's 1985. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, yeah, no, I, 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 I think it the most here in Berlin. It's, um, it's, it's a town that I... I never thought I'd live in, but once I started living here, I knew I was pretty much hooked on the, I mean, I'm from a particularly friendly bit of the UK. Yeah. Um, they basically, they use, they use a lot, or they used to anyway, set up a lot of call centers mm. in the Northeast, particularly for banks, yep. because people like to be told bad news in our accent. <laughs> lovely, calm, lovely, calm and friendly accents. Um well, yeah, um, but Berlin certainly isn't that. Berlin is not the the friendly, welcoming place. But I kind of like the bluntness, the abruptness that you get at times. I can here. appreciate it. And it's, yeah, I, I yeah, you know, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, that's the way it is, is it? Right. But you have a great day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, just move on with it like that. But yeah, no, I'd much rather. I'd much rather. You know, if someone wants me to fuck off, I'd rather have them just get it out of the way and tell me straight up, rather than spend a whole afternoon them pretending to be nice to me. But the whole time they just want me to get the hell out of there. I'm like, I hey, it's a waste of your time. If it's a waste of your time, it's a waste of my time too. So let's get it out of the way. It hurts for a second, but I'm like, you know what? Appreciate it. You take it and you move on. And after a while, you uh, you either move because you can't stand it, or you get used to it. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this is this is just the deal now. And I can appreciate that. 
Oh, completely. I mean, I I dig it the most, and like, and, but I also like that when sometimes <laughs> if you're not in the mood for it, being able right. to go. Oh, but you have a oh, you have the best day. Yeah. Now. How are you? How are you? Are you doing yeah. well? You're all right. And um, but no, it's, it's it's a cool place. Look, it's got a it's got a obviously a very troubled history from the twentieth century. Right. But a, a amazing history in terms of things that have been done here, and um, you know, look, going back through the. I mean, one of those things, obviously, what happened in the 20th century with the, with the Nazis, with everything right. that happened there, saw Prussia and everything to do with it, basically stricken from the record, even yeah. though all of the things to do with Prussia and uh, the, the German Empire and everything that was there before yeah. still exist. So there's, there's a, they've got a, in many ways, they've got a very good way of dealing with their troubled past. But yeah. in other ways, you know, there's some things that uh, they don't deal with so well. I think it's yeah. like just about everywhere. I mean, yeah. we saw what happened in the US with their uh, statues. We saw what happened in the UK. Yeah. And they're just in the UK, we have a pretty much a denial that we had an empire almost. Yeah. And that in order for us to have had an empire, some people, in order for us to have ruled an empire, some people had to have been ruled in an empire. Exactly. And that's often quite forgotten in the, in right. the British way of, of thinking about these things. But, um, no, I, I I like living in Germany. I find it uh, I find it suits me. Yeah. Well, that's great, Peter. I could talk to you all day, man. Um, there's still some stuff that I'm going to get to, but the good thing is we can always we can always uh, do this again. That's that's the beauty of a podcast. That's the beauty of Zoom. We can definitely do this whenever you want. Man. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a part two. I know there's still so much more to to get to, but I know we, we would. I got a sense when we did the IG live. I was just like, I wrote a few things down, and then I knew you'd have stories, and we'd go back and forth, and we'd we'd fill up the time. So this was great, man. I, I really appreciate you doing this, and can't wait for the next time. We can get on. I've got stories about Kofi and Nan liking my suits. I've got yeah. stories about being in in various war zones. Yeah. We can talk about all kinds. Yeah. Well, I love. I appreciate your uh, sports fandom, even though I don't think we really watch many of the same sports. But I can I still, tell. I've, I can I've, tell. I've sat up in the middle of the night watching the Braves. I still get. Hey, good for you. Okay, you got into the Braves. Good, and they're, they've been good. They're a team to watch now, which is fun. They're getting there. They're getting yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, um, the the one time I do collapse though is if it's anybody from that Sunderland team that played in the nineteen nineties. I that's when I'm giggling like yeah. a schoolgirl. Yep. <laughs> I used to watch him play. Yep. <laughs> I get it. Anyway, I'm the same way. Mate, Best. absolute pleasure. Anytime you want to get me back on to have another chat, we can talk about uh, talk about anything. Excellent. Likewise, man. Thank you so much, Peter. Really appreciate it. No worries. Have a good one, mate. You as well.